It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Chase Young made his appearance in Ashburn, Virginia for the first time this phase three period for the Washington Commanders, but he really needs to show up starting Tuesday if he wants to prove he's worth a new deal, but he's not the only one. That and more on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Your daily podcast on the Washington Commanders. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. Welcome into this Tuesday episode of the Locked On Commanders podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day. This is your daily podcast covering the Washington Commanders. Thanks so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day don't forget you can subscribe for free on youtube or wherever you get your podcast and you can continue the conversation over on subtext at joinsubtext.com slash locked on commanders where you can go one-on-one with me because i am your host david harrison d harrison 82 on twitter credential member of the media and washington commanders beat reporter for commander country sports illustrated's fan nation site covering the commanders here with you every monday through friday along with our everydayers and as always I appreciate your continued support for the show. On today's episode of Locked On Commanders, we're going to discuss some sale update news provided by John Kime of ESPN.com and the Washington Post. But we're also going to dive into two players that need to keep up with the mandatory minicamp happening this week in Ashburn. However, we are going to start with the players that need to show up. Tomorrow marks the beginning of the Washington Commanders mandatory minicamp. And yes, defensive end Chase Young is in town showing up for uh, a team photo day, photo day, making an appearance on the team's social media feed while he was at it. And he's going to start off our list of commanders who need to either show up or keep up during these next three days. So here's how this is going to work. I'm going to name a player and then I'm going to tell you whether or not that player needs to show up or keep up. We'll start simple. We'll start with Chase Young, who needs to show up. Up And no, this isn't about just simple attendance, roll call, Chase Young, raise your hand and say, yes, I'm here. And boom, we're done. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about show up in the the real sense, the 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 productive sense, so to speak. I don't know how to how else to better explain it. Young originally reported for the team's voluntary phases uh, of workouts ahead of the NFL draft. That's when he came in, met with doctors, trainers, front office personnel. Head coach Ron Rivera mentioned that once they got kind of an update on where he was physically, then they would make the decision on whether or not they were going to pick up his fifth-year option or choose to decline it. Eventually, his fifth-year option was declined, and while it could be medically connected, the talk around it all has really been about mostly motivating him in his play. The team, basically, bottom line, is hoping to up his production through contract motivation the way that it did with defensive tackle Deron Payne. So if they're taking the same tactic with Chase Young, that they took with Deron Payne, I figured, let's compare the two, right? So for Deron Payne, from 2018, when he was drafted into the NFL, through 2021, the season before Washington forced him to play on an expiring contract, he ranked as follows among defensive tackles in the National Football League. He ranked 14th, tied for 14th in sacks with 14 and a half, and this is cumulative from 2018 to 2021, tied for 14th in sacks, 
tied for ninth in tackles for losses, tied for 15th in quarterback hits, and he was second in the NFL in total tackles. After his contract year was up, so after you add in the data and you reconfigure the rankings for all the defensive tackles from 2018 through 2022 now, with his contract expiring, Deron Payne jumped his rankings in sacks. He ranked seventh overall, so he upped that ranking 50%. Tackles for losses, he ended up tied for fifth, so he upped that ranking 44%. Quarterback hits, he ranked 10th overall, upped that ranking 33%. Tackles, he remained ranked second overall, so an even, no drop, no increase in the total tackles. But you see there, increases of 50%, 44%, and 33% in his production. That is what the Washington Commanders wanted to get out of him. That is what they got out of him. Well, if we transpose that to Chase Young's situation from 2020 when he was drafted to now coming into year four with an expiring contract, he ranks through those three seasons among NFL defensive ends, tied for 42nd in sacks with nine, tied for 33rd in tackles for losses with, with 13, tied for 59th place in quarterback hits with 17, and tied for 38th place with 75 total tackles. Now, these stats and rankings, by the way, are all provided by profootballreference.com. So to have the same uptick in production is pain. Now, we're not saying that Chase needs to come in ranked 7th in sacks, 5th in tackles for losses. No, we're looking for the same amount of uptick in the production. So 50% uptick in sacks rankings, right? 44% in how he stacks up uh, against his peers. Young would need to finish the season ranked no worse than 21st. Again, this is among defensive ends from 2020 to the end of 2023 now. 21st in sacks, 18th in tackles for losses, 39th in quarterback hits, 38th uh, in tackles. Now, in reality, when you talk about a number two overall pick from the 2020 NFL draft, those rankings are not very good, right? But when you take into account the fact of how many games he's missed due to injury and all those things, you're looking for the uptick in production. You're looking for a reason to say, this is what Chase Young could be moving into the future. That's what Deron Payne gave them. That's why they paid him. So if Chase Young wants to get paid, they need he needs to give them reason to think that the future is going to be brighter than the past. Now, to get to those current statistical levels, he would need no tackles because he's already 38th, right? Four tackles for losses, eight quarterback hits, and four sacks. That's if... Nobody else on this list did anything in 2023. That's how far Chase Young is currently from meeting those numbers. Ironically, the defensive end currently sitting 21st in sacks, where Chase Young needs to be by the end of this season, the current 21st overall uh, defensive end since Chase Young entered the NFL in sacks, Washington's own F.A. Obata. So that stat line, so that's basically what Chase Young is striving for, is where F.A. Obata is right now. Now, that stat line for four sacks, eight quarterback hits, four tackles for losses, and zero tackles would obviously be the worst tackle total because zero tackles is terrible. But the second best tackle for losses, second best quarterback hits, and the second best sack season of Chase Young's career. So that's the floor, right? And again, we're not inflating his stats to match his original draft position. This is simply what Young has to do to improve his career production up to from this point into this next season against his peers, given the current circumstances. We're not asking him to catch up to Miles Garrett here, who has 35 more sacks than Chase Young does since 2020. But Miles Garrett also has a lot more games played since 2020. The problem is all or most of these guys are also, they're going to be playing too, right? So they're also going to be 
moving up. So this, this target is really a moving target. So I can't tell you exactly what he needs to do from a stat line perspective, but I would imagine he needs to target at least eight sacks, 16 quarterback hits, eight tackles for loss. And obviously he's going to have to have some tackles a little bit on that here in just a second. Now, since 2020, 41 defensive ends in the NFL have had eight or more sacks in a single season that averages out to about 13 per year. So basically we can say that Chase Young needs to be 13th or better in, in sacks among defensive ends this coming season. That's kind of the benchmark for him to produce the same uptick percentage as Deron Payne did in his contract year. 55 defensive ends have had 16 or more quarterback hits. That's 18 per year. So Chase needs to be 18th or better in quarterback hits. You follow me? 67 have had eight or more tackles for losses. That's 22 per year. So 22nd or better uh, roughly. And these average out to about 17th best. So if we take that in tackles, that's 54 tackles, which is 10 more than Young had in his rookie season. So if Chase Young wants to prove that he was worth the 17 plus million dollars that Washington declined to pay him, which would make him top five or six in defensive end average annual value, being top 22 or better in each of those categories is literally the least that he's got to do. And honestly, that's still not enough for 17 plus million. Now, it might be enough for a new deal, but it's not going to be enough for 17 plus million. If you want 17 plus million, you got to do a lot more than that. So that's how this is going to work. That's our first commander player who needs to show up this week. And that's it's just starting this week, right? Just get these three days because from the, from the narrative standpoint, these three days are going to dictate how we talk about Chase Young leading into training camp. So if he comes in, he shows up for his team, that conversation can be positive. If he doesn't, well, then we'll see. But again, it's still, you know, OTA-ish, no, no full contact. So again, grain of salt with a lot of this stuff. But we're kind of setting the stage here for what Chase Young needs to do in the year moving forward. So that's how it's going to work. That's how I'm going to describe to you players who need to show up. Because Chase isn't the only one. We've got a couple of guys who need to keep up as well. So I'll go over that. That's all coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders, part of Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And today's episode of Locked On Commanders is brought to you by FanDuel. Make a fast break to FanDuel during the NBA playoffs because right now new customers can get a $2,500 no-sweat First bet, that's up to $2,500 back in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. The Miami Heat evened up the NBA final series with a huge road win over the Denver Nuggets in Game 2 and are two-and-a-half-point home underdogs in Game 3 currently with plus 120 odds to win their first home game of the series. Denver remains minus 270 favorites to win the whole thing, meaning a $100 bet on the Nuggets right now wins you $37 if they pull it off and win their first championship in franchise history. No matter what you bet, there's no better place to bet on all the playoff action than America's number one sports book. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on. You get a no sweat first bet up to $2,500. That's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel, official sports betting partner of the NBA. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
continuing on with today's episode of Locked On Commanders. Thanks again for making Locked On Commanders your first listen today and every day. Every day is tomorrow. I will be back with mandatory minicamp analysis. And yes, defensive end Chase Young is in town making an appearance on the team's social media feed. So he will be right at minicamp and hopefully ready to start putting some positive energy into the news cycle surrounding his future. But he's not the only one who needs to show up. And no, I'm not going Montez Sweat here. I'm going tight end John Bates. Now, you may have heard, and if you're an everydayer, I know you've heard because we've talked about it on the show, but second-year tight end Cole Turner is once again one of the standouts of OTAs. Curtis Hodges also impressed during the last OTA practice, and Logan Thomas is looking healthy and ready to go. And in this scheme, we keep getting told by different people at different times that it favors tight ends so much, and that's great news. But John Bates is missing from that list of standouts too often. And it's not because he isn't practicing, because he is. Instead, his lack of pass game impact is actually getting me to the point where I'm wondering if he doesn't find himself third in the tight end pecking order by the time the regular season arrives. And I don't want to make it sound like Bates has done nothing, because that's that's absolutely not true. That would be inaccurate and unfair. But what I'm saying is the gap for number two tight end between John Bates and Cole Turner right now, I think is closer than... A lot of really, really close things uh, can get. But it doesn't just start there. It actually starts last season as well. Bates had 25 targets, 20 receptions, 249 yards in his rookie season. Not amazing, but really not bad for a blocking tight end. If you remember that rookie class, John Bates kind of came out of it looking like almost the best pick from that group, right? In his second season, however, those numbers dropped to 22 targets, 14 catches, and just 108 yards He had one touchdown each season, so that was a match. And the thing about it was the offense, at least at times, actually looked like it got better, right? And the tight ends that were kind of threatening to take snaps and targets away were injured, banged up, inconsistent all year long. More troubling, though, is that his yards per reception also dropped, and it dropped nearly five full yards per catch from year one to year two. Now, Turner's stats weren't great at all either, right? Just nine targets, two catches, 23 yards in 10 games. But when you look at Turner, you're talking about a, a fifth-round rookie. You're talking about a, a number three or number four at some points. Ronnie Rogers was ahead of him on the depth chart at one point. Injuries suffered near the end of the training camp, a concussion in the regular season. No rookie year. I don't care how good you are is going to survive that, right? But this second healthy start and playmaking OTA period that Turner has put together has also put him back on the tight end depth chart map. So John Bates is our second player that needs to show up this week, or we are probably going to spend a lot of time talking between this week and training camp about the potential that Cole Turner ends up as tight end number two in Eric Bieniemy's offense. Right now, no pads, no full hitting, anything like that. So it's really hard for Cole Turner to show that he's got the blocking chops that John Bates has. But this is the perfect time for John Bates to make some splash plays, make some noise as a receiver and keep that gap a little bit. And then once the pads come on, maybe try to show these coaches, hey, look, I'm enough of a blocker over Cole and a good enough receiver that you want to keep me on the field uh, ahead of him or else Cole Turner might catch this dude uh, and might do some damage. So that's our second guy who needs to show up these next three days again. We had one practice in the first week of OTAs two, one another practice in the second week of OTAs. This week, we're getting all two or three. That third practice is still kind of up in the air. I feel like we're going to get that third practice, though. So we're going to get two or three up the uh, practices. This is our first week to really get back-to-back-to-back to back to back practices 
uh, to look at these guys. So it's going to be a big week from an expectation analysis standpoint. For those reasons, we're going to have winners every single week, standout players every single day, rather, uh, three times a week here uh, for, for the mandatory minicamp. Now, those are our show-up players, right? Those are the players who need to show up. So we talked about these are guys who are either you know underperforming compared to their peers. And again, it's it's not like John Bates is out there just not doing well or not doing anything. I think really it's just the skill set starting to show out and what this scheme is really going to accentuate. But again, he needs to show up and try to show that he can be that receiving threat for Eric Bieniemy's offense and then Chase Young, obviously starting with just showing up in general, but also in practice, need to see some energy out of him, some intensity, uh, and see that he's here to handle his business. So, those are our two show up guys. Now we're gonna go, we're gonna go through our first two keep up, or our only two, but our first keep up guy. And here's how keep up is gonna work. Our first keep up player is sixth round rookie running back Chris Rodriguez Jr. out of Kentucky. I'm gonna be honest with you, the biggest thing we can take away from rookies at this point in the game is growth. And I've seen some really good growth out of Chris in just a few practices. Not only is he getting through individual and team drills cleaner, but he's lighter on his feet and faster in his cuts already. I mean, from rookie camp to our second OTA camp or a practice that the media got to watch in person already, he's looking lighter on his feet. He's looking quicker in his cuts, quicker in the drills. Uh, and that's, that's great. That's absolutely what you want to see from a young guy. He's also faster on the field than I was expecting after watching his tape. I mean, I didn't hand time him or anything like that. I never saw a Kentucky game uh, in person, but he did look faster on the field than I expected. And he still looks like a power back. This isn't a guy who comes in smaller than you expected him to be, but he does look faster than I expected him to be. So he needs to keep that up. Keep up that growth. That's what keep up means. It doesn't mean you know that you're falling behind. It means that you're doing really well making up ground from where you were from and continue studying, asking all the right, right questions the way that running back coach Randy Jordan talked about. And we talked about that on a recent episode here on the program. Keep up guys are a little bit easier because we're kind of talking about guys who are doing positives. We need to keep seeing that positives as we get into this mandatory minicamp for the next three days. Cause if Chris Rodriguez can keep up that progress for the next three days, and if our next keep up guy can keep up that progress for the next three days, then that's where you might see a lot of media coverage of these guys, a lot of conversations about them. And of course, that's where you might see some of this Twitter traffic and you guys start getting excited uh, about them as well. So if he can keep that up, we're going to have plenty to talk about with Chris Rodriguez entering training camp because training camp and preseason. So when the pads come on, that's when a guy like Chris can really show his power. And that's what we're all really looking for. Right. So Chris is our first keep up player. Our second keep up player. The last player we're going to talk about in this forum today is safety Percy Butler. Butler's been getting first team work while Cam Curl sits out team drills for what we perceive uh, is his contract desire, right? Nobody's blaming Cam or holding it against him. But honestly, the more he sits out, the more Percy Butler is growing before our eyes and getting chances to perform playing next to Derek Forrest. Now, I'm not suggesting that the team could replace Cam Curl with Percy Butler this year or anything crazy like that. We're not going there. But to say Butler has the potential to be a starter in a year, yeah, I would say that he's starting to show some of that potential. I'm not saying he's there yet, but could I say that Percy Butler is starting to show flashes of moving in a starter trajectory? Absolutely, I could say that. He's shown great range in OTA so far. He's all over the field. He showed ball skills. He had that interception that uh, famously or infamously got Sam Howell yelled at for not chasing him. Uh, he's shown great instincts and football IQ. That's kind of the biggest thing with this match zone scheme uh, that Jack Del Rio is employing for the Washington Commanders defense is football IQ. You got to know your, your your assignment, understand where everybody else is, where, where what you mean for what the offense is doing ahead of you, and react positively. And Percy Butler 
is certainly doing that. Very rarely so far in these practices have we seen the commander secondary completely below coverage during the OTA period. We've seen it last year. This year, seen a lot less. Uh, and when we have, usually it wasn't the first team. It was the second or third team. And even when it was the first team, it hasn't been Butler that I've seen. Again, only got two eyes, and I'm not always watching Percy Butler. So if anybody else out there has seen it, I missed it. But if you're only missing one or two iterations, that means it's not happening very often. Second-year safety is currently doing a good job securing himself some more work in the future. But all he needs to do is continue doing the good things that he's doing as Curl continues to sit out his team drills, waiting for a new deal. Not sure he's going to continue to sit that out through this mandatory period. Maybe this is where he comes back. Either way, whenever Percy is on the field, just keep up doing the good work and you will continue getting that praise. Speaking of new deals, like the one Cam Curl wants, let's keep up this momentum towards a Washington Commanders sale to Josh Harris and his group. News on that front provided by John Kime of ESPN and the Washington Post. That's coming up next on today's episode of Locked On Commanders. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. We are one step closer to the sale of the Washington Commanders becoming official. Or... We're one step closer to being one step closer. Wednesday, June 7th, so this week, Wednesday, uh, Josh Harris is going to meet with the NFL's finance committee. That, according to ESPN's John Kime, the meeting is part of a process to ensure that Harris can afford to own at least a 30% stake in the team without taking on more than $1.1 billion in debt, which is what NFL guidelines call for. The NFL requires owners, majority owners, to own at least 30% of the team and they have to do it without taking on more than $1.1 billion in debt. Imagine having to worry about not going over $1.1 billion uh, in debt. That's that's insanity. So the NFL's finance committee consists of eight members. One of those members is Indianapolis Colts owner Jim Ursay, who said in May at the league meetings in Minnesota that Harris needed to get into compliance with those guidelines. So this meeting is set place to take place. This meeting is set to take place in New York. And basically, as long as Josh Harris is in compliance or he's showing that he's on his way to it, then this should be just another step toward the sale being finalized at some point in the relatively near future. Now, Harris does also have 20 limited partners uh, as well. Each one of those partners has to be vetted by the league for, quote, financial and security reasons, end quote. The exclusive agreement signed between Harris and Dan and Tanya Snyder in May is for $6.05 billion. That means that 30 percent that Josh Harris has to be accountable for is $1.815 billion. Uh, that's the minimum that Harris has to pay and own for himself. Uh, and no more than 1.1 billion of that has to be, or can be uh debt. Now my understanding from the last figures I saw, I think Harris is worth about six or $7 billion total. But again, how much of that is liquid, how much of that is assets, property, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so it's really going to just depend on where Harris's money is tied up. Now, John Kime also says that multiple sources familiar with the process expect Harris's deal to be completed. And once Harris meets all the guidelines, then the sale could proceed 
uh, to a vote as long as there's no other hangups in the vetting process with his minority owners and all these other things. So uh, once it gets to the voting stage, you would need 24 owners to vote yes for it to pass. It's unlikely at this time that that kind of a vote is going to take place before July 4th. So we probably got another month and some change of Dan and Tanya Snyder being the owners uh, of the team, but they're motivated to sell the team. Josh Harris is motivated to buy the team because he's a local pros- uh, product. The NFL obviously is is more than happy uh, to move forward. So I do believe that this certainly could be done before the preseason, uh, could even be done before training camp is underway. Um, but you know, a little bit of more patience is going to have to be exercised here by everybody waiting for this thing to uh, get the final nail Dro- uh, driven into uh, the deal. So last month, NFL commissioner Roger Goodell did say that he was confident that the sale will be approved. And again, I mean, Jerry Jones is talking about it publicly. Jason Wright, Ron Rivera talking about it publicly. Roger Goodell is talking about it publicly. Like this, this thing is going to happen guys. So we just have to be patient on when it's going to happen. Uh, the Washington post was the first outlet to report the meeting uh, and ESPN did send a request for comment from Harris, which was declined. What hasn't been declined is my RSVP for Washington Commanders mandatory minicamp starting on Tuesday. And that means coming up tomorrow, I will have my first post-practice thoughts and analysis for you of the week. We are getting Ron Rivera uh, before practice, and we will have uh, some players available as well after practice. If you have any specific players you want to hear from, let me know in the comments or subtexters. Send me uh, a direct uh, message on subtext via subtext, and uh, let me know who you want to hear from. Let me know what you want to know, and I will see what I can do to grab your favorite uh, Washington Commanders. If you have any questions or comments other than that, just throw them in to the YouTube comments on Twitter or email me at LockedOnCommanders at gmail.com or send them directly to me via subtext. As always, thank you so much for making Locked On Commanders your first listen of the day every day. Every day, I say thank you for coming through like you do on a consistent basis. Remember, you can continue the conversation with me over at joinsubtext.com slash LockedOnCommanders. Thank you so much for making me part of your day, part of your routine. If you have anything else Washington Commanders related you want to know or discuss, make sure you also follow me on Twitter at DHarrison82. Until we speak again, please be safe, be kind, and I'll see you next time for another episode of Locked On Commanders, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild, or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi Trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.